1: Hey there, welcome back to the SPED Prep Academy podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer, and this podcast was created to guide special educators in their journey to become amazing teachers. My goal is to provide you with the support and training you need to become a highly effective, highly successful special educator. If special education is your calling and you are in this for the long haul, then this is the place to be and I'm going to be right by your side helping you learn everything you can about being a great special educator. Today just so happens to be the second and last day of a TPT sale, so if you are listening to this at the time of its release, I have some things that I think you might be interested in. I worked really hard the last two weeks to get a few new products uploaded in time for the sale, and the first is a digital para binder, and it provides you with support in how to train the paraprofessionals or the instructional assistants who work in your room, and it's digital, so you don't have to print anything out and the para can have it with them on their phones or on their computers at any time. The second is to support you when you are needing to have those difficult conversations with the paraprofessionals or Really, anyone, whether it's a coworker, an administrator, or a colleague, this product of how to have courageous conversations gives you tips of how to have these conversations. And it gives you 25 different sentence starters to use when beginning these conversations. And the last is a survey level assessment that you can use to identify the instructional, frustrational, and independent levels for the skills that your students have. I've actually used something like this within my department for several years when we get a new student and we need to know exactly what it is our students can and can't do. It has skills on grades K through five, and it includes master forms, data sheets, and examples of present levels of performance and goals. And I'm going to link all of those in the show notes. But like I said, the sale ends today at midnight. So make sure that you check them out today. Today's guest is Melissa Chalmay from Special Achievers, and she is joining us to chat about a topic I had absolutely no knowledge about before our talk today. And for me, when that happens, I'm like a kid in a candy store because I am such a nerd when it comes to learning new things. Melissa is going to share with us how to support students who have been diagnosed with cortical visual impairment, also known as CVI. So if you've never heard of it, like me, you're in for a great lesson. And if you have, then go ahead and stick around because she shares so much good knowledge about how to modify materials, what types of accommodations we should be making, and just overall how to support a child with CVI. Well, hello, Melissa. Welcome to the SPED Prep Academy podcast, and thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Well, before we get started, would you share just a little bit about yourself and your journey in special education?
0: Sure. So I'm Melissa Shalmay. I have a Master of Education, and I'm certified in general and special education. I've taught in the special ed field for my entire uh, 10-year career, specifically in self-contained multiple disabilities classrooms. Uh, Prior to that, I was a one-to-one assistant, where I really think I learned most of what I know and use today. Um, I'm also the owner behind Special Achievers, which focuses mostly on resources for students with cortical visual impairment or CVI. I sell these resources on TPT, but then I also have a blog that focuses on activities and lessons for children with CVI.
1: Well, great. It's nice to meet you. I know I've seen you on Instagram here and there, and I've always been interested in what this CVI even means. So, I just need to state for the record that I've been teaching for a very, very long time, and I have never heard about this topic. And I'm one of those nerdy people who craves knowledge. And so I'm super excited to chat with you and to learn all about CVI. So let's just dive right in. So can you just tell the audience exactly what is CVI?
2: Sure. So CVI or cortical visual impairment is a visual impairment that actually affects the brain rather than the eyes. So specifically, it means that the areas of the brain that process vision and the visual pathways. There are 10 characteristics that are associated with CVI that Dr. Christine Roman-Lansky has identified. Some of these characteristics include specific color preference, a need for light and movement, and difficulty with visual novelty.
1: So is this something that an individual is born with, or is it just something that can occur, you know, through a, a traumatic brain injury or something like that?
2: So there are a couple different causes, but in a lot of cases, the individual is born um, with CBI.
1: And is there any anything medically that can be done to to reverse it?
2: So once assessments are done, there are going to be areas that the child can work on strengthening. And so you can actually move towards a higher range or a higher uh, phase number, but you're technically never cured of CVI, but some of the characteristics will become less impactful on your life and you might be less aware of them.
1: Okay. So Those characteristics, it sounds like there's a lot of different things going on, you know, a lot of different things involved right there. So can you expand on some of those characteristics just a little bit?
2: Absolutely. So the first one I mentioned was color preference. And this just means that the child is going to show more of an interest in a certain color. In a lot of cases, it's red or yellow, but this is not always the case. Um, So for example, when you're setting up the child's materials in the classroom and that child. So you know that that child's color preference, um, you know that that child's preferred color is yellow. You might use that, for example, with their utensils or their plate or bowl, making mealtime more engaging and allowing them to be more successful during mealtime. Another characteristic is a need for movement. So children with CVI show a much greater interest in objects that move or appear to move. And oftentimes this movement is required to gain or hold a child's attention. So you might see that they really love to play with slinkies or beads or really any toy that that gives them that appearance of movement or actual movement. Another one I mentioned is the need for light. And this means that children with CVI may be drawn to light, which really can come from so many different areas such as windows um, artificial lights, lights on the ceiling, lamps or light up toys. So you'll see in a lot of pictures and activities for kids with CVI, especially younger kids, they're going to have a ton of light up toys, and this is going to help with their engagement and learning play skills and things like that. You may also see that a child uses a light table or a light tablet um, or an iPad or a tablet to access those materials because of the backlighting that those things provide for the child. And then just one more that I'll mention is a difficulty with visual novelty, and this means that a child with CVI may have a really difficult time understanding new objects, books, or materials, and so this is what, as a teacher, you really want to take into account, um, that they're going to be more successful using materials that are known, that they've seen before, they've had experience with, so just like for other kids with disabilities, repetition is going to be super important for kids with CVI.
1: Well, how do you, how do you identify if a child has CVI? You know, a lot of those characteristics, a lot of those, those things that the kids are engaging in sound a lot like maybe a a child who has autism or, um, you know, some other type of disability. So how do you identify that, that it is actually CVI that's going on and maybe not something else?
2: Sure. So first of all, an ophthalmologist or neurologist or a couple other clinicians are going to be the ones to diagnose this. Um, and you're right. A lot of these characteristics you are like, wait, a, an autistic student might have a lot of those characteristics. So yes,
1: like that, that color preference, that was the one that stood out to me Right,
2: and the need for movement and things like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so it, it can be difficult to diagnose, but in addition to seeing those characteristics, you're also going to see, um, some other visual behaviors that may not be able to be explained by another, um, by eye exams or things like that. And there usually is history of some other neurologic, something else neurologically going on.
1: Okay. So how do you adapt materials, you know, to use for these students? Are there, is there certain things that you, that we should be doing in our classrooms to, um, to help our kids be successful
2: Yes, there are a ton of adaptations and modifications that you can use. Um, Before I get into them, I just want to preface that similarly to other disabilities, a child with CVI can benefit from different adaptations. So first and foremost, um, a child's visual functioning uh, for a child with CVI, it's going to fall within a range. And depending on where their visual functioning falls in that range, is really gonna help you determine the modifications and adaptations. And that range, um, that number is gonna be provided to you by someone who is able to perform that assessment. So once you have that assessment, um, that is really gonna drive your modifications and adaptations. And if possible, you're also gonna work with your TBI or your teacher of the visually impaired to help you with this. Um, But some adaptations can include Providing materials on a solid background, more specifically a black background, this just takes all of that other visual clutter away and also allows the student to really zero in on the important information. You're also going to want to use materials in a child's preferred color when possible. This is not always possible, but for example, if you're doing play skills and you're working on rolling a ball, if you know they love red and really... Um, respond to red, you're going to use a red ball instead of a blue or a green ball. Um, You're going to use high contrast materials whenever possible, which means making sure that the images or image on the page is really bright and engaging. It catches the child's eye. You're going to want to use matte lamination versus regular lamination or just not laminate any materials at all. I know as special ed teachers, we want to laminate everything absolutely everything um unfortunately regular lamination um has a glare that is just really going to be distracting to that child with cvi so you can use matte lamination or you can just not laminate those materials which i know can be really challenging
1: i didn't even know they made matte lamination they
2: do it's a lot more expensive um and not as easy to find at all, but it is out there and it it makes a world of difference. But um it's it's it more expensive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I bet even even outside of the classroom, I'm thinking for my business and you know, taking photographs of products and that shiny, you know, you need to not have it laminated when you're taking photographs. So just for my personal benefit, I'm glad to know that.
2: Yes. <laughs> I have to say, I've absolutely now used matte lamination for some product photos. I can't lie about that. <laughs> um, and also one last adaptation is using photographs or three-dimensional objects when possible. This is not always possible, especially with curriculum. Um, but 2D line images, for example, are just really hard for a child with CVI to to understand. So these are just a few adaptations that you could um use for a child with CPI.
1: Those are some great tips. So what kind of accommodation, so that's that was talking about the materials, so what kind of accommodations or modifications do you make within the classroom setting, whether they're in general education or special education classrooms?
2: So the child's workspace to me is the most important area to start with. And I just mean by that, the whether you said in a general education classroom, the area around the child's desk or in a special education classroom, if it's their work center or their work area, um, you want to make sure it's not too visually complex. So first, you want to seat a child in an area free of distractions, um, if possible, but also making sure they're not facing the windows because of that, that light gazing or that need for light. You might find that they're just staring out the window, staring at that light all day rather than the materials in front of them or the lesson. Um, you also want to make sure that they're not staring right into a busy hallway or something that is going to have the, not only the visual distractions, but the auditory distractions as well. Um, one way to kind of combat this is by using a solid black background. I like to use a black trifold board for their desk so that it kind of does block out that background information that you just you can't get away from. I mean, there's just going to be visual distractions in classrooms you can't avoid. So a black trifold board on their desk or behind their desk can be really awesome. You also want to use materials such as black felt boards or slant boards. That just helps with the presentation of the materials. Um, another accommodation I, I mentioned it as an adaptation for materials, but a light table that's you want to, you know, have access, them to have access to that within the classroom. And then also as far as scheduling, you want to make sure that you're scheduling in vision breaks for the child and then also granting them when they're requested. Because sometimes, especially with new information, it's just too much and the child needs to take a vision break.
1: So I didn't even, I didn't ask this and I, I, I'm i thinking back of, over my career of 27 years. How do I know if, you know, some of these things the child might need, but they aren't being provided to them because I didn't know that they had CVI. So is there a way or who do you contact to like get an assessment or to try to figure out if this is something that's going on with the child?
2: So it varies state by state, this I have learned, but some of the common practices that seem to align across states is you're, like I said, it's going to be diagnosed by an outside clinician. So you would bring it to the teacher the visually impaired within the district because they can do some assessments within the within the district itself. Um so you definitely want to start there and you will notice like you said for kids with other other disabilities like some of these adaptations and modifications are just great across the board mm-hmm. for autistic students that you want to get rid of some of that cl- that visual clutter or Make the background more simple, but you're if you believe that you might have a child in your classroom with CVI, if you have a teacher of the visually impaired in your district, um, start with them. If for some reason you don't, you would want to take it to the case manager so that a conversation can be had um, with a parent about this.
1: Okay. And then what types of modifications do you make to the curriculum itself? I mean, are they able to? generally are they, you know, academically on target or or do they have more significant academic needs?
2: So this, this honestly varies child to child. If it's a child with CVI with multiple disabilities, they're going to be, you know, behind on the curriculum. They're going to be using or accessing materials below their grade level peers and things like that. But you can also have A child with CVI and that be their only diagnosis. And they are accessing the curriculum like their gen ed peers, but they are going to need a lot of modifications to the curriculum, especially around text and things like that. Um, Just because of the population that I've taught and the population that I've I've done a ton of research on in classes and courses that I've taken, um, my knowledge is really around students with multiple disabilities, one of them being CVI. So as far as the curriculum, um, it needs to be modified. I don't even want to say like it should be, it, it needs to be modified. The materials need to be mo- modified. Um, you're going to need to remove the visual clutter from books and, uh, materials that they're using. You are going to want to reduce the number of concepts that you teach. Cause remember before we talked about, um, difficulty with visual novelty. So all of those new concepts that you're presenting to the student is going to be very visually overwhelming. So you want to reduce those number of concepts and again, really focus on repetition. So they might be learning the same keywords or the same images for a much longer time um, compared to to their peers. And then I mentioned the text part. So if you have not yet readers, I like to call them, you know, I -hmm. I definitely still like to expose them to text, but that's not going to be not going to be the main focus. Most of the adapting of the text is going to fall for readers. And then there are so many different ways to adapt the text. And that information is going to come from those assessments.
1: I feel like, you know, the textbook series that we all have, I feel like that those are not CVI, Friendly. friendly. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's so much stuff, I guess, clutters the word you use on, on the sides of every book, you know, the little captions of, of what's in the picture. And I just feel like that there's so much stuff that is not needed. So do you just make copies of pages like that and then just take out those, that stuff that's going on on the sides?
0: Um.
2: So, That can be one way of doing it. A lot of times in that case, if the child is accessing the grade level materials, you might consider an audio book or something like that, where you're recording the text, you're recording yourself reading the textbook, or if there's an audio version of the textbook, just so that they can access all of that information without having to visually Mm -hmm. take all the information in, Um, not that, not that kids with CVI can't read text, but if the assignment is a textbook, an audiobook might be, um, you know, a, a better mm-hmm. option for them.
1: So my niche area, my favorite thing to teach other special education teachers is how to support your paraprofessionals. So how do you help your paraprofessionals be involved in this and what kinds of things can they do to support students who have CVI?
2: So I think the most important part is to make sure that the paraprofessional knows exactly what the modifications and accommodations are that the child needs. So they're going to need to know specifically what materials they're using. So if you're reading a book, are they using the text that everyone else is using? Are they using the modified text that you've put together? Um, How to set up the materials? So are they going to be putting the materials on a black background? Are they going to be putting the materials on a light table? What is the the best method of presentation for that student? And then also, you know, what materials do they need to bring for lessons and services that are outside of the classroom? So we spoke just about what happens within the classroom, but then a child with CBI leaves their mm-hmm. workspace that they've become familiar with. And then they go to another location in the school, such as a speech room or um, you know, music class or something like that. So making sure that they have what they need to make to recreate kind of a workspace in those other areas so they, they can be successful. So whether it's they're traveling with a slant board or they're traveling with their felt board and, and things like that.
1: So if this topic has just come into come onto my radar after 27 years of teaching, I know that it's not as widely known as it most likely should be. So, what do you do to promote um, helping other special educators learn about this?
2: So, my main goal is to provide kids with CVI with appropriate adaptive and interactive books um, so that they can access the same topic as their peers, but also um, develop a love for literacy. So, that's what my um, my business focuses on, I take all of those characteristics of CVI into account when creating these books. Um, adapting materials for any disability can be so time consuming for a teacher, but then to go through and sometimes have to rewrite a book or put together, adapt a whole lesson or you know whatever, whatever the activity is in your classroom, the chances are that you have to modify it are 100%. Um, in some capacity, so um, so for example, the adapted books that I create across a variety of topics are high contrast. Most of the books include a single image and a single vocab word on the pages, so I'm eliminating that complexity for the child. I also include seven different versions of books in my each of my adapted book resources. And I'm hoping that by doing this, I'm helping the teacher be able to select the version that's most appropriate for each of their students with c v i um it 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 can be just so time consuming. and I have a passion for adapting books, but it's certainly not everyone's jam. and so I'm hoping that by having these materials made for a teacher that they are they feel a little bit more confident about educating a child with c
0: v i
1: So do you just take books that are? Um, popular and do them or do you like take requests from teachers to to modify a book that you know that they need that they are needing to or wanting to use in their classroom so I
2: absolutely have taken requests in the past teachers have have reached out to me and i'm I'm happy to help them with that most of my focus in the last couple of years has just been adapting materials and books for those very popular things themes that you teach in your classroom. So whether it's seasons or holidays, um, animals, bugs, you know, any of those really popular themes that you teach throughout the year so that they can come in, grab those resources and have something, you know, that their, their child with CBI is able to use. I actually do help modify and adapt popular picture books. And those currently are just exclusive for members inside of my CVI club membership. So they have access to adapted picture books that they use in conjunction with the actual picture book um so that they can do read alouds and things like that within their classroom.
1: Well, I'm glad that there's someone out there that likes to do that. You're right. That is not my my <laughs> area of expertise. So I definitely, you know, could could see checking out your products in your TPT store. And you said your your TPT store is called special achievers.
0: Special achievers. Okay.
1: And so I think that the listeners, you know, if this is something that that they're experiencing in their classroom, and even if it's not a child with CVI, even if it is a child who has autism and who has just the need to have things adapted for them, I think that your products would be, you know, a great tool to have in the in the classroom. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing All of this with me, like I said, I just I my husband asked me earlier what today's topic was about, and I said CVI, and he's like, "What's that?" And I was like, "Well, I'm fixing to find out. I didn't know before, so it's kind of interesting (laughs) to to learn new things." So I really appreciate you coming on, and can you share with the listeners how we can reach out to you and learn more from you?
0: Absolutely. So
2: first of all, thank you so much for having me. You can find me on Instagram at Special Achievers. My website is specialachieversblog.com and then on Facebook at specialachievers.tpt. All
1: right. Well, thank you, Melissa.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell just by listening to this show that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and you want to grow into an amazing educator. And I'm here for it. I'm here for you and I'm so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to share it with friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review. They give an instant boost to my ego and they help others find the podcast as well and then make sure you're following me on Instagram. I love to use that platform to add a little humor to our crazy days, as well as to provide you with motivation to get through the tough days, training on all sorts of topics that we need to know and just overall support for what you do. You can find me on Instagram at sped prep academy. And I've recently got into making some reels. They are way out of my comfort zone, but they're so fun to make. So make sure you check that out. If you liked what you heard today and realized you have found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.